Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Thank you. It's always really nice if you get a clap even before you've spoken. Um, That's reassuring, a friendly audience. So today, as Katie said, I was asked to speak about what the cross means to me, and I had to choose one word. As you'll see up there, I chose a slightly unusual one, maybe, of cross equals disturbing. Now, why did I choose that? And it's because it disturbs, it disrupts, it challenges the illusion that I can be in control of my circumstances... And it liberates me if I allow God to be in control of my life. So today I'm going to talk about three things broadly. I'm going to talk a little bit about how it disturbed me into becoming a Christian. I'm going to talk a little bit about how it continues to disturb me. And I'm going to close with a prayer just so you know where I'm going. So how did the cross disturb me to become a Christian? Well, I grew up in a Christian family a very loving Christian family around Cambridge, quite close to here. Um, I had three sisters who were all Christians from quite a young age, but I didn't actually become a Christian until I was about 17. If you'd asked people at my sixth form college before I became a Christian to describe me, they'd have said things like, Tim's tall and he plays basketball. Well, I'm still tall, but two hip replacements later, I certainly don't play basketball much anymore. They'd have said, he's quite a fun guy to go to the pub with. I'm looking forward to going to the pub again quite soon. And they'd have probably said he's quite good at maths and sciences, but really rubbish at English. I'm dyslexic, so I was quite good at maths and sciences, but I was really rubbish at English. I'd found a way of doing okay in a number of spaces. And to be honest, this idea of Jesus making a difference in my life and the message of the cross just felt like it might be a little bit boring. But when I was 13, I stopped going to church. To keep the peace at home with my parents, I agreed to keep going to a Christian youth group. And there was a leader there, a guy called Andrew Palmer, I've lost touch with. But Andrew was really important in my life. He took an interest in me. And one evening I was round visiting him and he was staying just off Mill Road, just around the corner here. And he really challenged me. He said, Tim, you know, what is your response to the cross? And the honest truth was the cross really disturbed me this idea that Jesus had had to die be a sacrificial lamb for me for my sin it was far easier to turn my eyes away from that concept and ignore it than focus on it but Jesus also claimed as Andrew reminded me that he was the son of God and he didn't just die that he rose again and if that was true if he truly did rise you can't really ignore the message. And then Andrew also challenged me. He said, yeah, Jesus said he came so that you could have life in all its fullness. Tim, are you receiving life in all its fullness, really? And so I did. I turned my eyes and looked at that. And at the end of this evening, we'd been debating for a while. I think he was giving up, thinking, oh my goodness, I was really hoping Tim was going to get it. He just said, Tim, can I pray for you? 
I said, yeah, you can pray for me. People have prayed for me a lot in my life. I quite like people praying for me, even though I didn't believe in it. I, I, I like people praying for me. I said, you can do that for me, Andrew. I'd really appreciate it. As he prayed for me, something happened. And actually, when he stopped praying, I kept my eyes shut for a good 10 minutes afterwards. And in the end, I thought, no, I need to give my life to Jesus. And to be honest, that was just such a relief, a release for me, because I could finally acknowledge who was Lord in my life. I could start following Jesus. And while I had spaces where I did okay at school, I at last had a space where I truly belonged. So that moment changed the direction of my life. It changed everything. It turned a lot of things upside down. But it was the beginning of a journey that continues today to really allow God to be in control of my life. A couple of verses that have been really important to me throughout. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for this joy set before him, he endured the cross. I could speak for hours on those two verses, but I don't have much longer. So just a few things that have been particularly relevant to me, particularly in the last year in this COVID season, that have taught me to delve deeper into these truths that I can't control my circumstances, but boy, it can be good if I allow God to be in control of my life. We've had, I've had a difficult year. I lost a job that I loved. My father died of COVID. I've had back trouble, which has been really difficult to get treatment for. We've had other things that have disturbed us. We've had the Black Lives Matter things coming up. Those have really challenged me. We've seen things about women's safety in our own country. These things have disturbed me greatly. I can't control my circumstances. But if I believe that God will provide everything I need, I don't have to worry about the material things in life. If I get my sense of worth from what God says about me, I don't have to worry about what other people think. These things can liberate me into what God has for me. They allow me to run that race that he's now marked out for me. Jesus wasn't only a lamb who was slain. As we were singing, he's also a conquering lion. And believe me, a life with a lion is never boring. When I was worried about, back when I was 17, if I became a Christian, would life be just a little bit boring? Boy, I didn't need to worry about that. So what better day than Easter Day to challenge us about whether we're prepared to be disturbed again, whether you're already a Christian and you need to be disturbed to go on that adventure, or whether you're not a Christian yet. I just want to close with a prayer, and I hope it's relevant no matter which season you're in. It's one that came up in my readings recently. If you want to look it up online, it's just called the Prayer for Disturbance. I'm just going to pray it now. So if you'd um, close your eyes and bow your head, whether you're in the room here or online, and just focus on this prayer and think, is this something that you want in your life? Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. 
disturb us, Lord, when the abundance of things we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we've ceased to dream of eternity. And our efforts to build a new earth, we've allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. When losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizon of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, hope and love. Amen. Christ is risen, is risen indeed. So when I look at the cross, I see hope. Not because I know how the story ends, but because I know who hung on the cross. And, it's what, and it was for my sin and your sin. Today I want to talk about three things on how the cross brings hope alive. One, the cross gives me hope that I can be honest with God. On the cross, Jesus himself cried out, in Mark 15, 34. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I do not have to sugarcoat my prayers or come with fancy words. I can pour my heart out to God. This gives me confidence that I can tell him exactly what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. David illustrates this through the Psalms where he pours out his emotions, his thinking and feelings to God. We can do the same thing. We can tell God about our pains, about our fears, about our worries, about the problem COVID and everything that COVID has taken away from us. The grief, the loss of hugs, the loss of family time, the loss of hanging out with friends, some loss of birthdays, some loss of weddings. We can, come, we can take that all to God. It sees our heart. It knows the deepest thought of our heart and it still loves us. For me, that gives me confidence that I can go to him. When we go to God with our emotions, when we go to God with our true self, we build up confidence in our intimacy with him. We build confidence in, in intimacy with him. And we can draw closer to him. We can build on a trust with God. Two, my hope is in the one who was on the cross. When it seems like all hope was lost, Jesus was on the cross, and that itself is a miracle. He's the miracle worker, he's the promise keeper, and he's the one who is true to his word. Jesus is the one who can turn the circumstances around. He can turn it around for his good. The hope is based on what Jesus has spoken before he went to the cross. So in John 2:19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. We can, still be, we can be sure that his word will come to pass. As the evidence shows in the cross. Three days later, we all know what's happening. And that's why we're here today celebrating. The disciples thought all hope was gone. Imagine the disciples spent time with him. Jesus said something. 
and then, but they see now, they see their Messiah on the cross. They see their Savior. This is the one that they, pro they promised. They promised that, yes, they are the one that they look up to them. So he was going, so the disciples seeing him die on the cross, their hope was gone. Some of us today, with all what COVID have done, with everything that we face, even you might be watching online, you might just have stumbled on this, seeing my circumstances, seeing how difficult it is, whatever you're going through. But one thing that we can hold on to, God's promise come to pass, as we see. Whatever circumstances you face today, hold on to the promises that God has given. There are so many promises in the Bible that God has given us. We can hold on to them. So promises like John 10, 10 B, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That is what God has given us. He's promised us that. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a promise that I'm holding on to. That is a promise that God has given us, and we can hold on to that. And then Titus 1, 2. Faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life with God who does not lie. Promise before the beginning of time. So God has promised us eternal life. We can cling on to that, knowing that this world is temporary. This world is passing away. Circumstances now might be difficult, might be hard, but we can hold on to the hope that God has given us. I'll, I'll take one more scripture, which is um, John 14, 27. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. God has promised. He hasn't promised us that circumstances will not be difficult. So even with the disciples on that Friday, it was hard. It was difficult for them. But God has promised us peace. So whatever God has spoken to you about, what promise has he given you? Hold on to them because he is true to his word. Um, the third point is, the cross gives me hope that it is not by my effort that I am saved. Christ is the one who has done it for me. He took a place on the cross. And he said in John, 7, John 19, 30, it is finished. He has bought our freedom. We should have been the one on the cross. But he decided to take a place and let us go free. We are now truly free to live for him. And it is, it's, a, it's the freedom he's given us, freedom of salvation. So whether you're here in this room and whether you're watching online, it's a gift. It's a free gift God has given us. It's a gift that we can accept. We, we have to accept it, the gift of salvation. Just to recap, the first point, the cross gives me hope that I can be completely honest with God. I can tell God about my feelings. I can tell God about my emotion. I want to hear it. And also, the second point, my hope is in the one who was on the cross, as we've sang about, is a living hope. We can hold on to that hope. We can hold on to him, knowing that, yes, he is a savior. He has promised us eternal life. The cross gives me hope that it is not by my efforts that I'm saved, and neither are you. It is not by your efforts that you are saved. So let's hold on to him. Let's hold on to that. I'll, I'll conclude with... Um, Colossians 1, 26 to 27, the message paraphrase. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, 
but now it is out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this true and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in his glory. It's that simple. Thank you. Hello, church. Hello. <laughs> Today, I'd like to share with you what the cross means for me. For me personally, the cross equals reconciliation. And the reconciliation I want to talk about this morning is specifically is in terms of unity, ethnicity, and gender. Let me take you to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. Genesis paints this beautiful picture of the origins of humanity, also known as Adam. And Genesis says that Adam, humanity, you and I, were given this privilege to dwell in God's presence, to be one-on-one -on -one with him in the garden, in Eden. And church, that was and still is the plan for humanity, to be with God in Eden. Let me now specifically take you to Genesis 1:27. Genesis 1:27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Not man or woman, male and female. And for me church that verse in the Bible is talking about unity. Because what that verse is telling me that the image of God is man and woman and he needs men and women to partner with him. See, I believe in order for humanity, for Adam, for you and I to rightly bear God's image so that we can partner with him to achieve this incredible vision he has for creation, all of humanity, you must be united. That cannot happen with us being a divided group of people. Humanity needs to be united. And we know as the story moves on in Genesis, that that unity, that original plan was corrupted. And that takes place with sin in the scene, not God in the scene. It's depicted with Adam and Eve hiding their nakedness from each other. The original plan corrupted. Let me now take you to Genesis 1, 28. Genesis 1, 28 says this. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He told humanity, Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And we see that happen, right? When Adam and Eve leave Eden, when they kicked out of Eden, they have children, their children have children, and we see the different tribes of people being formed. And as there's growth in population, God is spreading the people across the land. And church, that is the diverse human race. That is diversity within humanity, something that God planned and designed intentionally. 
we know that you know as the population's growing and there's people spreading across the land what still remains unfortunately is the brokenness in unity that original plan still corrupted however however let me talk to you about the person of Jesus because he, church, paints a different picture about these topics. You see, church, I believe Jesus, not, who was not only man but also God, when he went to that cross, when he died on that cross, his death represents a new humanity, a new Adam. And guess what? He represents that not only for me, not only for you, not for a specific group of people, but for all of humanity. You see Jesus on that cross when he died, he's unifying and will unify everything in heaven and on earth because he and he alone is king and creator of it all. Church and as God is working to unify humanity, he does not marginalize a group of people. He does not marginalize you because of your gender or your societal status or your values or the language you speak or any form of disability that you have. He includes you, he respects you, your diversity and who you are as an individual and collectively as humanity. Church, we are one race. Let me, let me say that again. We are one race. We are one Adam coming from humanity. We might look different, speak different languages, but we are one human, human race. Let me finish off by reading Ephesians 2.15. Ephesians 2.15 says this, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Now this is the gold so as to create in himself, in the person of Jesus, one new man. One new man out of the two, thus making peace. Church, the cross equals reconciliation. The cross is launching a new humanity, a new path that is pointing us to a future. And that future is Adam all of humanity collectively together in Eden, in God's presence. So church, the cross equals reconciliation. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and thank you for your son, Jesus who died on that cross, not for me or just a group of people, but he paid that price, God, for all of humanity, for all of us, Father. And we thank you, Father, that your word says that all of humanity together represents your image, God. Thank you. And Father, we rejoice on that Resurrection Sunday, God, when your son stepped out of that tomb once and for all, for good, when he defeated death, he defeated that for all of us, God. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our story and for what the cross means to us. We now have an opportunity to listen to a testimony of somebody from our church our congregation. So take a look at the screen. So I graduated from university. I uh, thought I'd done all right in my degree. 
and then got a job in Cambridge and uh, thought I did all right and the, the job I managed to get and whatnot. And these were the things that mattered to me, pre-Jesus, like it was all about my achievements, my success, and ultimately what other people thought of me as a result of that. And then I quickly found that no matter what I achieved or where I, what I had, uh, it didn't make me happy. Um, it ultimately didn't fulfill what I wanted other people to think of me or anything like that. So I, I just found myself constantly chasing the next thing. So whether that would be a new car or some new clothes or whatever else it might be in life, um, you know, girlfriends and stuff like that. And ultimately those things also never fulfilled me. So I found myself in a position where I was like, all the things that I thought I wanted and would make me happy just never seemed to ever make me happy. And I just found myself in a, a really kind of down place um, I would often get really anxious when trying to achieve things. Like ultimately for me, that was where, where all my value came from. And ultimately when I, I didn't achieve them or if I feared not ultimately achieving them, I just felt like everything was gonna fall apart. So I just got really anxious about those things happening. So for me, pre-Jesus, I lived in a constant state of, to be honest, anxiety, where I was just so worried about not being able to achieve the things that I'd worked so hard to. And uh, that was just really not a lot of fun. Every day was just not a lot of fun. And on the face of it, it would, look, would have looked great. I had things that I would be fortunate to have, but I didn't feel fortunate in any way. Found myself just in this really kind of difficult place. And there was a guy at my work who had, uh, who'd invited me some, to some dinners. Um, what I didn't realise is that at those dinners, you got given essentially a book of the Bible and had to talk about it. He's a really nice guy, um, but it was quite a weird vibe. But because he was so nice, he kind of just went along. So I went along to a few of those and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Oh, hang on a bit. This isn't just something where you have to tick boxes and be, you know, do the right things and stuff like that. Like God actually cares about you. I'd never really seen that before. Um, but I still didn't really want to commit. I kept kind of living life on my own terms for a while. And then finally I kind of hit rock bottom and I just searched for churches in Cambridge on Google and I, I found myself at C3. Found myself at C3 and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a go. I'm really not in a good place. I'm just gonna give it a go. See where we go with this. And uh, I spoke to a few people at church, went along to a few things. But I was just in a place where I was like, this is really my last resort. And there were parts of church at that stage where, you know, I just felt like I shouldn't be there. Well, then some things that I was doing, even that time, which just didn't feel right. I'd be on church, in church on a dating app at the same time, literally in church. I showed up hungover a couple of times. It was like things like that where I was like, I'm not sure about this, uh, but I'm living in complete limbo right now. But then uh, I just kept going with it for a little bit longer. I went along to Young Adults, which was fantastic for me in Cambridge. And I remember um, then sitting in a hot tub at my, my, my gym. And I, I'd never really prayed properly before in my life. And we talked about it at church and stuff like that. And I hadn't yet become a Christian, but I was like, I'm at rock bottom. And again, it was a situation with my work, which I was getting really anxious about. I was like, I'm at, I'm at rock bottom and uh, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray about this. I don't know why, I'm gonna pray about it. And I was sitting in this hot tub and I was just hit with this massive sense of peace that I'd never experienced before in my life. And I could not understand it. Like I'd sat in that hot tub before, it wasn't the hot tub. And, uh, and ultimately it was just this massive sense of peace. And uh, from that moment, that peace stayed with me. 
And that was something that I couldn't describe and it stayed with me to this day. Um, and I no longer had the anxiety about my work. Um, and for me, that was something that I just, I couldn't explain other than for the fact that for the first time in my life, I'd prayed and I decided to acknowledge God. So that was pretty massive for me. I kept going along to, to C3 and then it was, uh, it was the night before the, the Athens Marathon. I was out there running, just being an idiot. And, um, and I remember I didn't want to tell my friends about me reading the Bible, for example. I, I was just at the point where I was about to tip over and, uh, and say, oh, I'm going to become a Christian. But I didn't want anyone to know. I took the Bible away with me. I hid it in the drawer in the Airbnb. I didn't want anyone to see it or anything like that. I remember just being super anxious the night before. I couldn't sleep, anything. And I was going from kind of pre-Jesus thoughts, just super like anxious about not being able to complete the run or whatever it might be, to then reading my Bible. And, and, and I just decided that way of life and that anxiety and that fear and everything, I will need to leave that behind. I'm turning this over. And, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go. So I came back from that. I told my friends that I was on the trip with that night. I've been going to church, and uh, I came back from that, and I just decided to go for it. To be honest, I, I I was got more stuck in at young adults. I started to read my Bible. I started to to pray with people and start to unpack all the things that you know I'd, I really believed about myself, which were really just lies and and and, and things I was stuck in. Um, and start to see that actually God loved me for, for who I was and actually he had a, such a better way for me. And then it was about six months later that I got baptised on the Easter Sunday and uh, never really looked back since. I've no longer had to live with the, the anxiety around what's going on in my life that was driven by me worrying about how I'd be doing at work, what would be going on in my career, how I'd be able to, the standard of living that I would have in future and whatnot. And I've been able to just be free from that, which has been incredible. I mean, it's just freed me, freed me completely every day um, in terms of the way in which I would think and the way in which I'd exist. But the thing that I would also say is, it's not been like a self-help tool. Um, that's been really, really important to me. Like Christianity isn't a crutch or something that, uh, you know, someone just turns to because they, they need help escaping from something else. Like the key thing from what it sits for me is that I know that I'm loved um, and that is massive. Like I don't have to achieve, I don't have to have a certain level of success or a certain amount in my bank or have, have married a certain person or anything to be loved because ultimately God loves me for who I am and he died on a cross for me to show that. And, and that's just been incredible for me that actually I'm loved regardless of what I achieve in life. And it doesn't mean that I still don't want to achieve certain things and stuff like that, but it's not what my value's in and it's not the reason why I'm loved. So that's been pretty massive, uh, to be honest. And I suppose from that also, just thankful for what I have. Ultimately, I believe that everything I have, every opportunity I'm given just comes straight from God. And, and for me, you can then just trust him to provide. And no matter what that looks like, you can have more or less one day to the next. Ultimately, he's got my back. He's gonna provide for me. And, uh, and ultimately, I can just trust him in that no matter what and look forward to the day where I get to be with him in heaven. So that's, for me, that's just been incredible. It's just a different way of life. I can't describe what my life was like now compared to what it was like pre-Jesus. Like, they're incomparable. What I've seen Jesus do in my life and knowing the love that God has for me, I want other people to see that. I've got friends who are in exactly the same place as I was a few years back and family and whatnot, work colleagues. And, and I just feel like there's just another way of living. 
And so my hope for the future is that those people get to experience it for themselves, get to meet Jesus for themselves and see that the way they're living right now, however good or bad they think it is, there's a better way with Jesus. And to be honest, that would just be my hope for the future to be able to see them just go for it with Jesus. Precious blood has left me forgiven Pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame richly This covenant is making me whole So I will and lift my head from of Jesus wherever you're watching from in the room here we have no other message but Christ crucified Christ who was buried and Christ who rose again He's the one who disturbs. He's the one that brings hope. He's the one that reconciles all people because of Jesus. See, it's not just the cross we preach. What it is, the cross. It's not a cross. It's the cross. 
the cross of Jesus Christ. And today we just want to give opportunity as we close this service, whether you're online or in the room, do you know this Jesus? He really does set you free. He really does give hope and reconciliation and He does change your life, disturbs everything. But He is the answer. And you can call on Him. And the Bible says this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm going to call on Him with a prayer. We're all going to pray it in the room here and maybe at home you want to pray it as well. Pray it out loud. And at the end, I'll just ask for anyone in the room here, if you said yes today to Jesus for the first time, to raise your hand. Or if you're online, you can put a comment there on Facebook or on YouTube. Yes. Just put yes. Today I decided to follow Jesus. We don't need the second part. Just yes. Let someone know. And if you're in the room here, we would love to give you a Bible. But if you're online, we'd love to have your details so that we can send you something that's more about Jesus. It's a gift of the New Testament. It tells you about Jesus and His life. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, wherever you are. And let's all pray it out loud. But if you do it for the first time, or maybe recommitting your life to Jesus on this Easter day, you say, today, I'm refocusing, I'm recentering, then you can respond as well when I ask at the end for raised hands or for comments online. Pray this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you for Easter, that you rose again, and that I can put my trust in you. Thank you for taking my punishment for giving me life. Jesus Christ, I confess you as my Lord. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my prayer and giving me life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now if you're online, if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Say yes. If you're in the room here, Maybe if I can have a bit more light in the room. Just raise your hand. You said, yes, I decided to follow Jesus. Anyone? I can't see you anyway. Oh, there we go. There's anyone here. Just raise your hand now and say, yeah, we'd love to give you a Bible before you leave the room here. Because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. you're not responded but you want to take a Bible you want to know more then please do go as you leave the room today and get one of those that will be there on the welcome point the welcome stand if you're in Cambridge go outside your house in a few minutes 11 20 we're hoping to have the fly past and you'll see that that's because of the weather and the way it works if you're in Bury St Edmunds 11.35 and then Colchester at 12.30 this afternoon there'll be a cross equals love in the sky telling you about the love of Jesus revel in it enjoy it and let's thank you we're going to finish with a song that tells us of the all sufficiency of the blood of Jesus as the musicians lead us let's stand let's lead, let them lead us
Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Bye.